Hey, everybody, this is Tony UV, CEO at Hurstbright, another exciting little podcast for the Dirty South Security Podcast. Hispanic Heritage Month. I'm here with guest invite, Giovanni Jerez. Giovanni, how you doing? Good to be here, Tony. Hi, everybody. I hope you're doing well. And I'm also here with uh, trusted psychic Evan Hernandez, hailing from uh, New York. How you doing today, Evan? I'm great. Hi, everybody. How you doing, Tony? Doing good, doing good. It's Hispanic Heritage Month. Talked about this last time in the last little outtake that we had, Evan. And I wanted to invite Mr. Compay Giovanni out on the West Coast. How's the weather out there? And uh, where are you? Southern California? Yeah, well, Los, Los Angeles is very reliable when it comes to weather. So Southern California, 95% of the time, is just beautiful, gorgeous, enjoyable weather. I mean, this is why things are expensive. People, this is the, the weather tax. That's what we call it. But uh, wow. but wow. yeah, it's just great, man. So we should could be here as well. Well, officially, you just made two Latinos also on the East Coast. And that's uh, Evan <laughs> and myself. But Right. We wanted to continue the dialogue on Hispanic uh, Heritage Month and talk about what does this mean to us American professionals, Hispanic American professionals. Um, I had a chance to talk a little bit with Evan about this. Why don't you tell us a little bit about you first and then dive into what does Hispanic Heritage Month mean for you, Giovanni? Yeah, for me, I, 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 it's always a good period. Hispanic Heritage Month is always a great period to highlight right uh our our the our key professionals our key superstars in yeah. various industries uh, i've had the opportunity to be in a place that uh that celebrates uh this our heritage uh very intentionally so we highlight not only the employees that are are of hispanic descent but we also host like high tech day where we invite latinos from the from high school and from middle school to come in and learn about tech and stem uh, those opportunities that exist there, uh, it's always a good, it's always a good opportunity to refresh history, right? Absolutely. I mean, we're we're bound to repeat history if we don't remember who our heroes are, who are heroine heroinas, you know, our, our Latinas are as well, and and what they've done for us. Because at the end of the day, all of us stand on the shoulders and the roots of previous generations, right? And it's I'm very important. That, who do you think is like your number one go-to iconic hispano that you know you look up to for business for whatever right but first let me let me ask evan you you hail from brooklyn right evan yes i do so you know not not too many hispanics in brooklyn uh just kidding <laughs> so and, and and when you were growing up was was there a lot of stuff or even now did you see a lot of things where there's a lot of like technology now being you know, um, uh, appreciated by young entrepreneurs or young, you know, technologists that are Hispanic in background? I, for me, I would still say no okay. in terms of access to technology, you know, right. at some of the areas in, in Brooklyn and, and looking through the past, you know, technology is still disparate across, right. you know, school systems in terms of funding, how they get funded, what areas they're in. I think you're kind of forced into using technology just because of the day, the digital age that we're in. Everybody right. has some access, but um, I think it's still it's still up and coming. Yep, absolutely. Giovanni, um, did you would you would, again going back to that you know uh, idol or I wouldn't say idol, but there's someone that you looked up to you know in any type of profession who stands out in your mind as a Hispanic American or Hispanic that was really kind of uh, yeah. a good leader. There's two, there's too many, but I would certainly the one that comes to mind, the first one comes to mind is Ralph de la Vega. 
Ralph yeah. De La Vega was the CEO of AT&T many years, you know, typical American dream story, escapes Cuba, comes in without a dime, enters AT&T, rises up the ranks, ends up, ends up being the CEO of Singular, then they buy AT&T, then he becomes wow. the CEO of AT&T. And what I love about Ralph is that despite his amazing professional journey and success, he continues to lift others as he climbs. Like he continues to mentor uh, young professionals, middle professionals, high school students. And now that now that he's retired, I know that he's doing a lot of, uh, spends a lot of time giving young entrepreneurs an opportunity to, uh, you know, to to just be exposed and and uh, have the right mentorship in order to be successful. Right. I, I think one, one question that pops out, and I'm going to, you know, kind of throw this out your way, Evan, is... Um, when you think about like, okay, we're, you're in security, you're in cybersecurity, you're in technology, um, as it relates to culture, you know, if we if we think about leaders like, you know, what, what, what Giovanni just described with, with Ralph from, uh, you know, uh, at t is what, what is some of the uh, important takeaways that we as Hispanics should have in doing technology management and doing software development and doing, you know, any sort of entrepreneurial endeavor or cybersecurity? What do you think are some good things that we can port from the Hispanic culture? Um, our willingness to work, you know, we have a, absolutely, yeah. You know, from a cultural perspective, I was born and raised to put everything I have into my work. Yes. So our work ethic is, I think, from a cultural perspective, we all have very similar work ethic. So you know, tying that with perseverance and grit, it'll it'll take you pretty far. Right. I think we all have someone in our life that at some point said, maybe an abuelita, maybe a tia that says, no se socioso, right? Which means like, don't be lazy. Like, what are you doing with your life, right? Yeah. No se socioso. But um, let me add something to what you said yeah, yeah, about culture. Um, I would say that uh, Latinos specifically have a great advantage in the U.S. because most of us are bicultural. And as, and as immigrants and as people of, of being by culture, we understand, we inherently understand that in order to establish trusting relationships with others, no matter their personal or professional, we have to do three things. We got to see the person. We got to hear the person. We have to understand the person, right? right? And as immigrants, we that journey forces us to be very attentive you know, keep a keen eye listening to people and really try to understand. So in many ways, our, our story of immigration has given us this amazing superpower to be able to connect with people individually in a deep way in a, in a very short time. So I I, I love I loved that comment about culture. And, and really, I think that's our Latino superpower. I, yeah, I, you know, I, I want to just, you know, I, I agree completely with you, but it's 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 there for the taking, right? You know, we have an opportunity when you're when we've been in this country to be able to liaise with the, you know, uh, the majority culture, uh, you know, the uh, Caucasian culture, the African American culture, the Indian culture, the you know, uh, Asian cultures, and, and the diverse group of Asians that exists within our communities. But it's, it's there for the taking. Oftentimes, you know, we have that melting pot at a, at a higher level than sometimes we do if we're in, you know, DR or Puerto Rico and Bolivia, et cetera. So yeah. to be able to leverage all those cultural opportunities, learn and establish rapport that would otherwise require us to have to go to those countries to understand some of the idiosyncrasies 
of how those cultures operate, you know, it, it's a great opportunity definitely for anyone that's Hispanic American to live in this country to be able to be exposed to that. Um, speaking about exposure, uh, we're with Cybersecurity Awareness Month, and it wouldn't be a cybersecurity awareness topic if we didn't talk about data exposure, data privacy violations. Yeah. Now, what's really interesting about you, Giovanni, is that you're in the marketing space. Like for, for the good part of your life, you've been in marketing. So you're leveraging people's data, not you specifically, but maybe companies that you've been with in order to do more tactical advertising, tactical marketing. You know, how do you kind of being outside of cybersecurity? Evan and I are knee deep in this stuff every single day, but how do you, you know, look at data consumption models um, and at what level of uh, stewardship do you think that companies are doing today in terms of safeguarding, protecting, and, and judiciously using that data, you know, for their for their benefit, the benefit of their users? Yeah, there, there's, listen, uh, there's a whole bunch of parameters that exist are, are pretty standard and apply both at a state, federal, and even at a global level, right? Especially when we do uh, business at in Europe, uh, they have their own set of standards as well. Here in California, some of the most rigid standards out there. So companies need to need to take it, you know, uh, customer data very very seriously. I know that as a marketer, even though I certainly have the ability to dice different customer data and get specific profiles and be able to be very targeted of who I send my messages to. Um, we, we there's also a lot of effort to you know from the data brokers out there to to make sure that they anonymize the data, right? And and that is being shared in in the in the specific context that we're looking for. I mean, violations of this ends up being multi million dollars lawsuits. Absolutely. So everybody has a strong interest to get it right, right? Where where we certainly have the goal to expose you to our product, you know, to to get you familiarized, and so that hopefully you become a customer. Two, once you become a customer, now uh, I want to, I want you to be more engaged with our platform, right? With our product, I want you to give me referrals. I want you to do an upgrade. Even even that's a different uh, set of approach, right? That you're doing with the customer that has to do with the data that they're providing to you, right? We call it first customer data, which is you know it's it's one there's generic data that exists out there, but then there's a data that the customer gives to you as the service provider, right? right? And right. you have to be a great steward of that data and what you do with it because Absolutely. customers will tell you, you're spamming the hell out of me. Right. Stop doing yeah. that, right? Yeah. Evan, on a scale of one to 10, what, what, what you've been you know, in this industry of cybersecurity infosec for a while now, you've worked with a lot of prominent companies. Um, how would you grade the data stewards that are out there you know, in, in, in any industry? What would be your academic passing grade for them? Or maybe it's not a passing grade. What would you give them? Wow, that's tough because I think, you know, the most important asset to any organization is data, right? Uh, and that's across multiple layers of data, customer data, organizational data. So the grade can vary. Um, I would say right now, I, I would give it a failing grade in my opinion, just because, you know, us as people being the stewards of our own data, we're not responsible for it. So then we willingly give right. data to other well, organizations. Yeah. What's interesting is, you know, to your point, Evan, is that, you know, data is worth so much right now that people are even introducing fake data, right? There's fake profiles. I just saw a post from a friend of mine today. He kind of showed 
all the LinkedIn posts. Uh, shout out to uh, Andrew Haley. Uh, he, he showed a LinkedIn post where basically it showed all of the LinkedIn users associated with Amazon over a span of months. And after the revelation that there was a lot of bots on these social media platforms, a lot of companies have been going in and cleaning. And this is data, data interactions, conversations that are happening between bots and human users, and all this stuff is being mined somewhere. So I agree, Evan, I think you're not far off in doing a failing grade, but Yuvani, I mean, as, as, a, as someone that's been part of companies that's been a, a steward of this data, what needs to change? What needs to change in the business model? So we spent a lot of time focusing on consumer education, right? Uh, when As soon as we see a trend in the marketplace on how, you know, bad actors are scamming our customers, we make our customers aware of that right away, right? We, we take note of that. We put them out there. We inform. We proactively notify our customers to try to prevent them. You know, we got a holiday season coming up, right? And and that is the perfect you know, time frame for bad actors to start scamming customers. So I would say within, within our community, uh, Latinos, especially with our elderly population, right? We got we to gotta train our abuelos and our uncles and our tias to be a little bit more aware that like, just because com- somebody calls you on the phone and tells you, hey, I'm representing this company, that doesn't mean that they are, right? Like always, always second guess it. So bring somebody else that, you know, to, to verify it. If you get an email, with, that looks that looks suspicious or that has a link, don't automatically link on it. Always double check. So so that's that's the major thing that we as a company can do. It's educate the consumer, make them aware of the trends that we see, and be very proactive about that. So that you know, at the end of the day, if we empower the consumer, they're the they're the first wall of defense when it comes to scammers. Absolutely. I think that all of us are probably going to share this video outtake to our abuelitos, our our padres, our tias, our tias, so they can understand is that, hey, don't click on that, you know, $299 special for uh, that new iPhone 14. Um, but, uh, you know, because there, there's there's so many scams and they're targeting the vulnerable. And, and they're sure. getting so creative, Tony. They're yeah, getting, absolutely. I mean, even I get confused at times as an educated professional. Like, I, I've been getting text messages, okay? Yes. They go like, hey, how are you? And I'm like, right. it's a number that's out of the blue. And I'm like, do I know this it. person? Don't and you're it. like, nope, don't even open it. Don't right. even like delete, don't you know? Engage. Right. No, yeah. it's true. Well, listen, uh, I appreciate the time, the insights for both of you. I do have some parting questions for both of you. So uh, I'll, I'll, I'll make it unique for both. So Giovanni, I got a question for you. Bachata, cumbia, or salsa? Which one? Salsa, 100%, baby. Salsa. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> Ahí vamos. All right, Evan, what about you um, in terms of uh, top time favorite Latino, Latina artist of all time? Oof. Who's up there? Who's your go-to? If you're going to basically, you know, the hottest in mundo, leave this planet, you got to just listen to that one track from your favorite Latino, Latina artist. Who is it? That's going to be Tito Puente, hands there down. There you go. There you go. That's the guy. Ahí vamos. Bueno, hey, it's been a gusto. I appreciate the time. Giovanni, Evan, thanks so much. This has been another Dirty South Cybersecurity Podcast with special guest Yolani Jerez. And take care, everybody. Adios. Nos vemos.